Welcome to Laugh It Up Fuzzball. I am Joe the Wookie Riot. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about life, the universe, and everything, but mostly geek stuff. A place where we get to let our geek flag fly and talk about all things geek. As I've said before, this isn't an amalgamation of geek news or a comprehensive guide to all genres or the world of geekdom. Hopefully it's just a fun place to cover some geek news, comics, The Simpsons, Star Wars, and whatever randomness finds its way on in the recording. But let us get started. Well, hey, hey, friends. Welcome to Level 79 of Laugh It Up Fuzzball. Hey, yeah, it's, it's late Thursday night, and I'm finally getting around to recording whole bunch of different reasons valentine's day with the love of my life actually there was a brief moment where i thought i was going to be doing a guest episode with the beautiful heather but unfortunately that didn't work out and then a, a lot of stuff crazy school stuff and yeah i'm actually applying for a master's degree in school because i'm crazy and i want to be who's the master show wookie who's the master show wookie yeah that's right watch out bruce leroy i'm coming for you coming for you and your movies in history and that's what I study so watch out but I just yeah sorry later episode and uh, we're just gonna get to it there's some uh, flavor of the geek all the geeky news we've got David S. Goyer apparently isn't gonna be directing the Masters of the Universe movie you might be thinking I didn't even know he was directing the Masters of the Universe movie there's gonna be a He-Man movie and uh, apparently he wrote a script for it but he's not going to be directing. He'll move on to other things. But if you want good news, I guess there's a script for a Masters of the Universe movie. We also got uh, Todd Phillips apparently wants to make a Joker movie or is going to be making a Joker movie. And he wants Joaquin Phoenix for the role. But uh, interestingly, accordingly to everything I heard, accordingly, that's not really a word, but Jared Leto is actually still the Joker. And uh, sorry if this provides confusion, basically the director of The Hangover, so hide all the giraffes, uh, wants to do a DC movie that may or may not be being the movie that's produced by Martin Scorsese you might have heard about, which is going to be separate from the connected universe, but still somewhere within the DC universe, and why not? Why not? WB is getting their their affairs in order, so to speak, and uh, if that's what they want to do, sure, sure. Joaquin Phoenix is a joker. I, I don't know. I guess I could talk more about it later. This is going to be a little bit faster because I just want to get this episode up, and fair, fairness, I am really tired. It's like it's late on a Thursday night, and uh, I just want to get this out, and more reasons for why it's late, and coming up, we got a new poster for Ready Player One. Uh, if you didn't see it, lots of stuff. It's got all the, the 80s nostalgia, if you will, all the, the nostalgia from when I was young. Not the elongated man with the super long leg on the rung of the ladder that everybody hated. This is a better poster, and they, they should have had this one first. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for that movie. comes out in March. We got, oh, if you didn't hear Alita Battle Angel, the release date for that has actually moved. It was supposed to come out July 20th, and they've moved it back to December 21st. But fear not, friends. That might actually not be a bad thing. That means they're actually willing to have this movie go up against Aquaman and the Transformers spinoff Bumblebee. So yeah, they might actually have more confidence in how good this movie can be. So we shall see. We also have Deadline reporting that uh, Fox actually hired none other than uh, Michael Bendis to write the script for the Tim Miller Kitty Pride movie. The code name for the movie is 143, which got a bunch of nerds on the internet talking about how that could be a nod to Marvel's X-Men comic issue 143. It's one where Kitty Pride, she's all home alone in the X-Mansion. It's Christmas, but she's Jewish, so she doesn't celebrate it. And she has to battle against an invading demon. And uh, I don't know if that's what they want to do for the movie, but it, it's an interesting code name. And of course, sometimes they just do these Easter eggs to get people excited. We got news, Legion Season 2 coming out in March. It's premiering in March. So friends, if you like the first season of Legion, it was actually on my top 10 for 2017. We're getting a second season of this Noah Hawley X-Men, but not an X-Men show, which is amazing. Amazing. We got a, apparently a Conan the Barbarian series is coming to Amazon. I didn't look up any more information on that, but it, it's coming, friends. We also got all oh, this news is crazy. Michael Bay in talks to direct a feature film about what DC Comics character? <laughs> None other than their their space bounty hunter, the main man, Lobo. 
Jason Fuchs is working on a script. Actually, it's F-U-C-H-S. So I'm like, how do you say that last name? Is it Jason Fuchs? I don't, I don't know. I'm not cursing. I don't need an explicit label. I'm just saying the last name. But apparently he's working on the script. Uh, the rewrite is based on some notes from Michael Bay. Michael Bay explosions, Transformer movies. But, you know, some good movies like The Rock and Bad Boys. So who knows? I, I, I live in a world... You live in a world where a Lobo movie could actually happen, so why not? Why not? <laughs> I actually think Michael Bay, if given a smaller budget than millions and millions and millions, maybe something smaller, and I say smaller and hate myself when I say like 40 to 50 million, but that is small in the world that we live in. And uh, yeah, they're, uh, he's going to be doing a Lobo movie. What other news do we have? We have... Uh... Oh, uh, apparently there's a working title for Wonder Woman 2. If you don't know when movies come out, they have just like titles. So, you know, most famous Blue Harvest for Star Wars. And then uh, Red Cup was actually the, the solo film. And then the Aquaman one. I actually talked about that, but I don't. Oh, it was uh, Ahab. So a little Moby Dick reference. So they all they all have their own little things. Sometimes they're clever. Sometimes it's to hide a production. But uh, apparently the working title for Wonder Woman 2 is Magic Hour. And then all of a sudden the internet internet's all crazy, but everybody's like, "Oh, that means magic!" And Cersei as the villain, and it it doesn't it doesn't mean uh, any of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, sorry, my phone just went off, and I I took a look at it. But we got a working title for Wonder Woman too, and I, I sure that could be cool if we got magic, but we don't know anything about it. And that movie doesn't come out till December twenty nineteen, and they're not even shooting yet. Working on the script, so we're not going to get crazy into that. If you didn't see, there's actually a really cool video online about Marvel celebrating its 10-year anniversary as a studio. That's right, 2008, they started and have made all, all the movies and uh, 20, 20-something movies. And uh, it was great It's because they had like almost everybody from all the movies all together on risers. And they took a – it was a reunion of sorts, and they took a class photo – and uh, it's really good. You can watch the video. You can type in Marvel 10-year anniversary and just enjoy yourself. And be like, wow, they really have had a veritable who's who of talent in these movies. I also saw online, and I heard it through a couple podcasts, including Collider, that uh, there was a fan who used a home computer program. The program was called Deepfakes, which actually removed uh, Superman's mustache better than WB's FX team for the Justice League movie. So, um, yeah, uh, apparently... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I actually heard this and I was like, well, you know, probably removed it better is not a, a real way to say it because, you know, there's a digital version of Justice League that's out. They already did most of the hard work removing the mustache. It's not like this kid just actually got the cut where a big hairy caterpillar was sitting on Henry Cavill's mouth and he used deep fakes to remove it. So I guess deep fakes could be used to clean it up a little bit better. That's probably probably real talk. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little embarrassing, but I, I, I have to take that with a grain of salt. You know, their FX team already did a lot of work. They just probably need to do a little bit more work. Someone said, that's good enough, and it wasn't. But that that's what it is. Tessa Thompson, oh, wonderful Tessa Thompson from Creed and Thor Ragnarok. But she reveals that she may want to be the new kick-ass. And uh, yeah, creator Mark Miller is like, yes, yes. And has actually been on the internet saying, make it a thing. So good. Yeah, sure. Tessa Thompson. All the amazing parts are Tessa Thompson. She's great. We got, uh, if you didn't hear, the Titans live action show, which is going to be on WB streaming service or DC streaming service, may actually feature the Doom Patrol. Uh, if you don't know anything about Doom Patrol, go dive down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I only said that because Ryan was happy when I said the Tweedles were so nice, and they are. They really are. But uh, dive, dive down the rabbit hole and find out what the heck a Doom Patrol is. And uh, enjoy yourself. The Doom Patrol has made a resurgence recently. I have not read any of the comics, but my oldest is all about it. Actually, she only pulls that and another another comic called Deadly Class. I've not read either of them. Doom Patrol goes way back to the 60s, though, so, so check it out. Also, director Alex Garland. You would know him from films like Ex Machina and the upcoming sci-fi flick with uh, Natalie Portman called Annihilation, where, yes, Padme Amidala is married to Poe Dameron. That's a thing. Well, that's not their names in the movies. But Alex Garland wants to direct a Swamp Thing feature film. And fuck yeah. Yeah, Alan fucks yeah. <laughs> that guy who writes the scripts. Please, please, yes, please, DC, let let Alex Garland do a Swamp Thing movie. It, it could be a lot of fun. 
And speaking of Natalie Portman, since I mentioned Annihilation, if you didn't see, she actually said that she wants to return to Thor. Apparently on uh, Thor The Dark World, there, it didn't really go so swimmingly. I guess she signed on because she was really happy that it was going to be a female director, and then it didn't end up being that way. And I guess there was issues on set, but Natalie Portman would like to return to Thor. And, I mean, that, let's be real. She probably wants to return to Thor because she's hoping that Jane Foster is going to wield Mjolnir and become Lady Thor. And uh, I don't, I don't know if uh, if uh, they would let that happen, but uh, you know, they they could. We've got uh, news that Aquaman might actually be wearing the traditional orange and green costume, based on I guess there was a maquette figurine that came out on the interwebs, a picture, if you will, that showed Jason Momoa's Aquaman in the traditional orange and green. And uh, I've actually not looked up the image, heard about it once again on another podcast, and I just figured you know I'll mention it. It, it could be cool, you know, we'll see I have actually, I think I'm really excited in November, right, no I know, I don't think, I'm, I'm excited to see Aquaman, I want to see what they bring to that, I think James Wan was a really brave choice for them to do the movie and I, I think it could be a lot of fun, I think it could be a lot of fun, as long as they don't spend all their time in air bubbles so they could talk to each other they gotta figure out a way to talk underwater <laughs> or it's gonna be a silent Charlie Chaplin film and then they'll be up on the earth talking I guess we also you know as far as uh, we talked Natalie Portman wants to return to Thor Sebastian Stan says that he would like to play Captain America in the MCU and duh cause he's Bucky Barnes and he knows how that goes in the comics so sure sure Sebastian Stan Why? of course if they want to do that although I, I think I would actually like to see Falcon be uh, Captain America, you know, that that could be really fun and representative. But Sebastian Stan apparently also doesn't just limit his roles to what he wants to play in the MCU. In the DCU, he would like to play the Riddler. And uh, I, why not? Why not? If Josh Brolin can be in two Marvel movies and then you have Ryan Reynolds being in Marvel and DC. And Sebastian Stan, sure, he, he's great. A lot of people like to look at him, especially the ladies. And uh, somebody, please, please, please figure out a way for him to play Luke Skywalker in a movie. Because, yes, look that up online. They certainly do look a lot alike. I guess in the, the trailer park department, so to speak. Yeah, the trailer department. Lots of trailers coming out. Ma'am, this trailer trailer park just getting too full. Getting too full. I'll tell you. <laughs> what are we going to do? We're going to kick old Bessie Sue out of her trailer. She got four kids, man. Can't do that. You got a kid on the way. But, uh. More trailers keep showing up and it gets crowded, but then uh, old old Joe the Wookiee Wright comes by and, and gives you an opinion. So we got Venom. Uh, how did how did could we do quick opinions? So here you go, Venom. I didn't like it. Uh, I uh, I saw Tom Hardy and uh, I saw a little bit of the symbiote, and uh, it looks like it's supposed to have a whore edge or something like that. And uh, based on the trailer. I didn't necessarily want to see a Venom movie. But then in the end, they show you a logo to let you know it's Venom. And that's probably because it's too early for effects. And, uh, yeah. I, I, sure, I'm probably going to go see the movie. Let's not lie. But, uh, based on the trailer, I don't necessarily want to go see it. Although, Deadpool 2, amazing trailer. Makes fun of effects not being finished. Shows a ton of cable. Then just has Ryan Reynolds being goofy and, and doing something silly. Which really makes fun fun of the entire process, but is wonderful. And then they and they show scenes, and I'm excited. And that movie comes out in May, and hoorah, hoorah, I'm excited. Another thing I'm really excited for, Jessica Jones Season 2. There's a trailer for that, and oh man, that looks freaking good. Kristen Ritter looks great. Jessica Jones Season 2 comes out in March. Good lord, I don't need another thing to binge watch. But it comes out, and there you go. Rampage? Actually, didn't see the trailer. People say it looks good. It was a, a little video game about a gorilla and a wolf and a and an alligator that destroyed. And I don't know how they're gonna make a movie, but it's it's Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and he has everybody's money. And maybe maybe I'll go see it in the theater. Or maybe I'll wait to see what people talk about it. And yeah, I did not see the Rampage trailer, but there is one out, a new one, if you want to see it. But I did see. The Batman Ninja English version trailer and oh man, that movie like the first trailer with the with the subtitles was well not really subtitles but just with the Japanese was amazing and this one looks great too. Batman stuck in feudal Japan, ninjas and samurais and lots of superheroes and then Joker. Not so sure about the Joker's voice. I actually said that up on Laugh It Up Fuzzballs, but uh yeah, look good. 
And then lastly, Incredibles 2, that just dropped yesterday uh, during the Olympics. The Olympics, USA, USA. And uh, I liked the trailer. It actually showed a lot of Bob. I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more Elastigirl. But, oh man, Jack-Jack looks like he's going to be full of humor. There's some really funny... There was a Common Core joke. If you don't know what Common Core is, it's American Mathematics. Them switching the way kids do stuff. And as as a parent, I can tell you, I, I have no idea how Common Core works. And the joke hit me. Jack-Jack hits me. You get some of the... You know, I think her name's Edna, the lady that makes superhero costumes. There's a little bit of Elastigirl... And uh, it looks like it picks up right at the end of Incredibles. It's just going to pick right up. And and I cannot wait for that movie coming out this summer. So there you go. Five trailers. Venom, Mare, Deadpool 2. Woo! Jessica Jones Season 2. Yeah! Rampage. Didn't see it. Batman Ninja. Oh, Batman Ninja. Oh, and Incredibles 2. Yes, please. I actually have put most of these trailers up on Laugh It Up Fuzzball. So you can find them there. And if they're not up there and you want them, let me know. And I'll put it there, but you can find it on the interwebs. I promise. So we're going to move right on to the next segment, the small screen Star Wars sci-fi superhero synopsis. Just a couple shows to talk about. Supergirl Season 3, Episode 13, both sides now. We finally get around to finding another world killer, courtesy of a strange dream car had. And then there's the dynamic of whatever's going on with these baddies. It's it's really interesting. Samantha still dealing with her blackouts, but you know now there's Julia, aka Purity, who's another world killer and has has stuff going on too. Let me just say that that when uh, Julia, the actress Purity, is at her bag bad self she is so awesome alex deals with past baggage control and how she does with the world and then there's strife between her and her super sister but also the tender loving sister bonding that i've come to love in the show cheering for seeing martian manhunter in action also applaud the show for doing monel stuff that's better than the last season while also being complicated storytelling with a pseudo existence of a love triangle if you will there's a reveal that not everything is as it seems for the justice society's mission and then like they're getting close to the revelation of the samantha rain stuff and lest we forget besides purity there's another world killer out there fun stuff for wins saturn girl john jones and monel fixing the legion ship and then just how much i love 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 all the purity stuff in the episode really the only negative thing that i could say about this episode is that the show's taking a break while legends of tomorrow wraps up their season over the next nine weeks so supergirl returns april 16th now heather and i need to find a new show to watch on monday nights we also had the flash season four episode 13 true colors well welly well 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 welly well well the flash is back to the DeVoe story and in a super interesting way that deals with Barry and Iron Heights plus metas from previous episodes i.e. Dwarf Star, Hazard, Kilgore, Black Bison, Amunet deals with the warden of the prison who's selling metas which includes Barry and the aforementioned metas which leads to a prison break which is just fun and it's interesting. Jinx gets a lot of character development actually I don't think her name is Jinx uh, Jinx is uh, Hazard and then uh, the show certainly trusts in the acting chops of Violet Bean, who plays Hazard. So far, I'd say that trust was well placed. We'll see how it all, how where it goes in the future. If we see more of her, we got Ralph ending up with a new power to impersonate people, which was super fun. Episode spent some time dealing with Dibney's insecurities too, with a nice heart-to-heart moment between him and Killer Frost. Also, just props to the show for finally revealing why they bothered to give Cecile mind-reading powers. Of course, I mentioned DeVoe shows up, and the events that go down are certainly unexpected. It's crazy awesome, and then the show finds a way to deal with the whole Barry and prison arc that makes a ton of sense to me, but not before Barry gets to prove what a good guy he really is. I have to take issue with him counting down days with groups of five lines versus doing the four lines and the slash, uh, but I guess that was too much work for him while he was doing the phasing, cutting in the wall. That's just nitpicking. This is a, another episode with heart, humor, and spectacle. It gets us back to the meat of the story in a great way while also showing the first chink in the armor, the epic bad guy that is a thinker. Serious stakes in surprising ways. I really loved it, even if the whole burying in prison thing just ends just as fast as it starts. At least the way it all goes down feels right. Real quick spoilers for like 20 seconds. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. But... You know, my biggest regret is the death of so many great villains, especially Katie Sackhoff as Amunet. I'm hoping this means that they have big plans for what's going down in the future. But one of the things I've always liked about the CW shows is when they keep baddies around to be used later. Sure, there's a bunch uh, from previous episodes, including some were probably in Iron Heights and... 
this all went down and they they were mentioned but not seen but i i liked some of these baddies who alas are gone baby gone even even with that being said i give this episode a solid a minus b plus yay for flash black lightning season one episode four called black jesus just getting in there <laughs> that's the title and uh what what new evil is principal jefferson pierce going to have to deal with this in the city and yep they're getting the drugs and not just any drug but a drug that really jacks people up we get more pierce using his powers um but that appearance of the drug green light which uh, gamby describes as cracking pcp having a baby is is not a good thing for the world and also that drug brings anissa into the world of vigilante superheroing not because she takes it but just because she gets involved and um you know she's beginning to to follow her path and i i think of her arc so far as thunder begins and no costume just figuring things out also like how jefferson has to deal deal with what uh him being a crime fighter in a city is and and what are the consequences for his city for his actions you know he has relationships with some of the small time bad guys shout out to two bitch trying to get a selfie before getting knocked f out Tobias has to deal with Black Lightning not being dead, and not just because Lady Eve is scarier than him and I do mortician things to bodies when they're not dead sort of way. He does have a cool piranha shark take and a mysterious sister, and he's no pushover. He's also doing interesting things with uh, characters that are connected to Black Lightning. We get an uh, electric vision, which is super dope. And then uh, I, I just like Gamby as Black Lightning's man in the chair. He's more of an Alfred than an Oracle, which is which is a nice new dynamic for a DCW show. You gotta wonder sometimes why he keeps secrets from Black Lightning, but uh, you know it's okay because this show continues to kill it every week, and I always look forward to seeing more from the show. And then we have Arrow season six, episode thirteen, The Devil's Greatest Trick, and oh, I liked three episodes, but this is not the one that I liked all that much. I've, I've really been trying to like this whole season, featuring Team Arrow having issues and fighting against a super hacker from the previous Helix storyline who's hell-bent on destroying everything all he loves, namely his team in a city, all because he thinks wrongly that the Arrow killed his son. Sure, they took time in this episode to humanize evil that is Caden James, and props to Michael Emerson for being great on the screen this season, but the show took an episode that felt that it like could have been a season finale and then crammed it in the middle of the narrative of a 20-something episode season and then and do a good job for a good portion of the episode and then just F it up and wrap things up way too quick and then jump cut to where everything goes and, and it leaves you dynamic. It literally is like over a commercial. It's at one point and then they're at another point and, and I actually watched this episode with Heather and we are like, what? Wait, wait, and like literally didn't rewind, but I had to be like, wow, oh, okay. So this is where we are. And I, I like the dynamics of Team Arrow's division, why it all went down. I, but I found this episode jarring, found it anticlimactic, and overall just disappointing. I'm also just quite sick of the whole Quentin thinks he can redeem a villain storyline because she's a doppelganger of his daughter and I'm really surprised how he's progressed in his creepy stalker kidnapper ways this season. There was some fun action here. I definitely called what the big twist was going to be, although I, I sort of felt like it was broadcast all over the action of the episode. The episode was whatever. I, I still have hope for how it can all progress in future episodes, but time's going to tell on this one. I think I'm also just ticked that I thought James was a very terrifying threat for Ollie. And now everything is different. I guess the devil's greatest trick is proving that good plots don't need to exist. I, I give this a C- minus here, friends. And then just because talking about stuff on the small screen and I watch this on the small screen, we have Altered Carbon on Netflix, episodes 1 to 10. And uh, I, I didn't break down reviews for each individual episode, but if you're wondering about the titles, episode 1 is Out of the Past, 2 is Fallen Angel, 3 is In a Lonely Place, 4 is Force of Evil, Five is the wrong man. Six is man with my face. Seven is Nora Anu. Eight is Clash by Night. Nine is Rage in Heaven. And ten is The Killers. This is a Netflix show. You can binge the whole thing. Like I said on the last episode, I thought it was a movie. And I realized it was a ten episode show. And I was like, oh, I don't have time for that. But then honestly, I watched I watched one to three episodes every night before I was going to bed. Sometimes I had to watch episodes again. Or I had the episodes playing while I was doing homework. And I, I, I did successfully binge over over basically a week all 10 episodes altered carbon i gotta tell you this show is 
amazing. I don't have all the actors' names in front of me. I just wanted to talk about this one off the cuff, but the basic premise is basically they found a way to transfer consciousness to other bodies, and it's in the future. We're talking hundreds of years in the future. You know, humanity has colonized and gone out to different worlds, but with this stack technology, it basically has caused a big divide between the haves and the have-nots. And the haves, which they call meths, like Methuselah, like they live hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years because they can afford to do so. And they've even found ways to like not make their lives as dangerous. They, they are on top and they live above and other people live below. But it's a world of crazy virtual reality. Uh, whether that's in the pleasure department or whether that's just living different experiences people can fight to the death because death isn't forever you can just move into a new body they call body stacks you just move into a new stack or I think maybe the stack is actually sleeves so they call body sleeves the stack is actually the chip that's embedded in your neck that holds your consciousness and it's all based on them finding alien technology but basically, once upon a time, there was a group trying to end the possibility of everybody being able to just jump from from sleeve to sleeve, and they came up against the Protectorate, which is the big, you know, planetary, you know, universe-wide organization that keeps all humanity in check, and uh, they wanted to stop it. And there's this character uh, Takeshi, or Ta yeah, Takeshi Kovach who is uh, an envoy and was trying to stop, but he, he got captured. Then he comes back because a rich guy wants him to solve his murder. And that, that leads to all sorts of bonkers, bananas, places. You've got a crazy Russian, and you have, just to catch you have a sister, and what's going on with the love of his life. And then there's also a Hispanic police uh, police officer, detective, who he gets involved with. And there's, you know, he's not actually in his body. He's in somebody else's body. And there's stuff that goes on there. And then there's a murdered girl and her parents. And uh, and then just the, the sheer joy that is actors getting the chance to pretend that there's somebody else living inside their body and the way that's performed and there's lots of action and if you're looking for a show if you're a big fan of like the sexiness of true blood or game of thrones this show has some sexiness to it there there's definitely it's nothing i mean this isn't softcore porn but it, there, there's some sexy to it you're gonna see some dongs and you're gonna see some naked ladies and you're gonna see some guy butts and uh yeah yeah and there and there's definitely sex involved and uh, yeah, I, I really thought it was a good show. I thought it progressed well. I enjoyed every episode. I wanted to keep watching after every episode. And uh, I thought it wrapped up in an interesting way. It could certainly go on to another season or it could end there and it would be fine. Really, really good show. Two furry thumbs up. And uh, I, I, I guess I could talk more about it later if I have a guest on who's seen it. But Ultra Carbon on Netflix, check it out. Check it out. It, it is a binge binge worthy show move to the next segment in the stacks and there's just a few comics to talk about i actually uh i actually read two comics in preparation for going to see black panther and uh there might be a little tease for for one of the reasons that this episode is going out so late but black panther issues one to four from the 2016 run written by ta-nehisi coates art by brian stelferes and color by laura martin it's the first four parts in a story called a nation under our feet this is t'challa dealing with the I guess spoilers real quick, like five, ten second spoilers, five, four, three, two, one. But T'Challa's dealing with the death of his sister, as well as devastation of Wakanda at the hands of Doctor Doom and Thanos. Things in the nation are none too good. Um, there's lots of threats trying to put power of the nation in the hands of the people. Also, issues with the Dora Milaje to add to the tension of a superhero terrorist group calling itself the people, trying to spark a violent uprising. This is Wakanda after Secret Wars, and I dig how this world is realized so fully. It's beautiful. The technology is so cool, as it should be in Wakanda. T'Challa has to make tough decisions as a king, but there's also quality time given to his stepmother, his former bodyguards, even his opponents who sometimes make good arguments against him. You gotta love awesome action, interesting politics, badass women warriors, and dealing with social issues. It's a solid A book, which had a lot of excitement around it when it came out since Coates is a well-known African-American author, journalist, and educator. Um, I certainly want to read more Black Panther after this, 
But first, I, I just got to be ecstatic that this trade also included the very first appearance ever of Black Panther in Fantastic Four number 52. This was, of course, by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Joe Sinat. Nothing like watching the FF face off against Black Panther in a technological jungle, all because the King of Wakanda wants to prove his superiority by beating the best heroes of Earth. Super cool. Totally makes this trade worth purchasing. And just seeing 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 the Fantastic Four go up against the Black Panther, uh, it was it was a really interesting interesting first appearance, and I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was really good. I really really enjoyed it. I was happy that I got to got to put my eyes on that, even though it's not the original. It's original as in just like the issue, just so good. Um, I actually ch picked up this uh, trade from my college, Cal State Long Beach, where I go to school. Uh, and my school actually had one more Black Panther trade, so I picked that one up too. And I was I actually just needed to waste like an hour, so I picked picked up both. And I, I didn't end up reading all of them in that hour because I was really enjoying it. And I was looking at the art, but the other one is Black Panther: World of Wakanda issues one to six. This is from twenty seventeen. Writers include Roxanne Gay, Tanahisi Coates. Actually, ends up a consultant on most of the stories. You got Yona Harvey and also Rembert Brown as writers as well. Because this is basically three stories. I think issues uh, one to four is one story dealing with the Dora Milaje, and then issue five is another character, and issue six is the last character. But uh, pencilers, or actually, let's see. Yeah, pencilers, Aletha E. Martinez, Joe Bennett, inks by Martinez and Roberto Poggi, some art by Afua Richardson, and colorists including Rachel Rosenberg and Tamara Bonvillain. Basically, this is a spinoff from Coates' exciting Black Panther run and gives backstory for Anika and Ayo of the Dora Milaje. You get more for the telepathic Zenzi, who is one of the villains, and then Kevin Cole, a.k.a. the White Tiger. If you wanted heartfelt lesbian romance and general badassery, um, this is, and but that actually sounds weird. It's just heartfelt romance. The two uh, Dora Milaje characters just happen to be ladies who love each other, but they are badass and actually gives a lot of backstory, which makes Tanahisi Coates' other Black Panther actually just it adds to it. It makes it makes it better. You might also find yourself feeling empathy with a character who may be a villain with Zenzi. There's there's more for her story. And then just a cool story with a hero who is the White Tiger, which is basically New York City detective in a white Black Panther costume. And if you like all those things, this trade's for you. It's the Nika and Io stuff that's the most amazing. I thoroughly enjoyed learning more for all these characters. I imagine the Casper Cole stuff probably would have been a little better if I'd read his stuff from the main Black Panther title because... The whole uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates run is actually 12 issues or more. It's at least 12 issues collected for that story. Uh, the long and short is I really loved reading some comics that I have to pay for, courtesy of my university library. And all this, of course, was in preparation for going to see Black Panther. We're going to get there. Yeah, you're like, he, he saw the movie. What does he think? Don't worry. We're going to get there. But before we close out in the stacks, I also read a single issue of Star Wars, issue number 43, written by Kieran Gillen, art by Salvador Laraca, color by Guru EFX. This issue just finishes off the Ashes and Jedi storyline. It's so much fun and wild and great, and everything I would want about my favorite rebels defeating another Imperial threat while working with the remnants of Sagarer's partisans. Queen Trios of Show Turin gets a twist. Luke versus a cybernetic armed Commander Kanchar was fun enough. I do think some people might appreciate not might not appreciate everything with the show torn elements if they haven't read Gillen's Darth Vader run from a few years back, but that's okay. I've I've also seen some critiques online of Laraka's photorealistic art, but I actually really dig his style. To each their own. I think the character development of Han, Leia, and Luke in this story was really really good, and you see how they could how they'll turn into the people you'll see in later trilogy movies Han especially is great in this issue but Leia's interaction is so so enjoyable I, I dug it I hope Kieran Gillen gets to write Star Wars for a while longer Jason Aaron did a really good job on Star Wars but I, I would like to see more from Gillen I like the way he tells stories and and since we're talking Star Wars I we're just gonna head over to let the Wookiee win our Star Wars segment because boy howdy there's a ton of news to cover in that department so uh, let the Wookiee win, and let me tell you, the Wookiee is winning. Uh, the first thing we could talk about is the duo responsible for bringing Game of Thrones to everybody. That's right, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, bringing their talents to Lucasfilm to write and produce another new series of Star Wars films. 
And uh, while I don't have a ton of thoughts, and I actually want to keep this episode a little bit shorter, I think I think that could be fun. I think uh, I think that might actually make sense with another news story that we're talking about later. But yeah, I think I think that could be a lot of fun. We also got uh, news that Harrison Ford spent some time as an unofficial advisor on the Solo movie. Basically, gave Alden Ehrenreich some some tips and some backstory that Ford had learned from Lucas, just to just to help him be a better Han Solo. And good, I'm glad to hear that. I think that's amazing. Uh, we also have a rumor that Disney might be filming the Obi-Wan movie at Ireland's Titanic Studios once Game of Thrones finishes filming season 8. And uh, you might be saying, boy, I thought Star Wars was filmed at Pinewood in London. And you're right, it is filmed at Pinewood in London. But if they're going to be making more movies or doing more shows, maybe they need to find another location that's pretty pretty close in Ireland and London are not terribly far apart. In fact, there's this entire thing called the Channel, which connects Ireland to... Actually, no, that Channel might actually be connecting England and France. I'm not completely sure about that. I should probably look it up. But I know you could get there. I'm, there, I'm sure there's ways to get... I've heard tale of a, a tunnel that connects Ireland and London. And let's let's just think about this. Stephen Daldry was the director rumored to be doing the Obi-Wan movie. Yes, everybody's like, oh, he's the Billy Elliot director. But also, he was a Game of Thrones director, and he probably knows a thing or two about this Titanic Studios where Game of Thrones is filmed. So maybe he'd be interested in working in a system that he's already semi-familiar with. And wait, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss are the guys who brought Game of Thrones to people and, and actually have something to do with Titanic Studios since they're involved with Game of Thrones, which is finishing its last season. And hmm. Could all of this make sense for Star Wars? Long and short, we don't know that the Obi-Wan movie is going to be made, but there, are, there is rumor that George Lucas actually did some scouting, did some touring of of that, and nobody made a big deal of it at the time. But now they're like, wait, that old guy who sounded like Kermit was here doing this. Well, well, is he involved in the Obi-Wan movie? And the real truth is none of us know. None of it's been announced. They haven't officially announced the Obi-Wan movie, but boy, howdy, do I hope that they finish, that they do that movie after episode 9. I want that movie to come out after episode 9, and then we can see whatever it is that they're going to be doing, whether we're going to begin Ryan Johnson's trilogy that's disconnected from everything in a different place, uh, or whether we get Benioff and Weiss's, which, uh, accordingly to some articles with Bob Iger, is that they're, they're doing something in a different time, and now everybody's talking about the Old Republic, and sure, sure, why not? Uh, what else do we have? We got, ooh, if you didn't see it, there's a Kessel Run Millennium Falcon Lego set that uh, pictures came up online. Also comes with some minifigs. I don't want to spoil it since, uh, since you know, you, you may want to see the Falcon fresh when you go, go to see the Solo movie. Uh, but it looks cool. Uh, I really, really want the Chewbacca and Lando minifigs, but I cannot afford the $169.99 price tag. So... Alas, I probably will not be getting the Kessel Run Millennium Falcon. But yes, that, that does mean, friends, you're probably going to get the Kessel Run. But if you didn't already know that for the solo movie, sorry about your bad luck. EW had all sorts of articles about Han Solo. If you want to read a ton about the solo movie, uh, check out Entertainment Weekly while well, that's all there. And in fact, it might actually still be on newsstands, friends. But I can just tell you different articles. We got an article about why the Falcon looks like it does, including the reason for why it looks a little different, why it looks new. Um, you can read it. I, I, it's just it's it's not a New Hope. It's before a New Hope, and it's still Lando ship. So it looks different, and and things happen. When you first got your car, it looked a little bit different probably than it does ten years later. Just saying. Uh, also, an excellent article from Entertainment Weekly. If you didn't know what EW was, I realized that I <laughs> didn't delineate that, but Donald Glover talked about playing Lando. It was a great article about Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, and her uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is playing a lady droid called L337. There was uh, stuff for Amelia Clark's Kira as well as, I just really liked that article because it was about strong women in Han's life and the fact that her character grew up with Solo apparently. Also just amazing photos from the movie. Han and, Chewie, Han and Chewie in the Falcon's cockpit. 
Han the gunslinger amongst the aliens. Lando in that awesome yellow shirt playing Sabacc next to a two-headed alien. And Kira and the conveyance train. And Woody Harrelson's Beckett. And uh, the pristine Falcon. And then... Uh, even a medical droid. The the pictures are great. If if you do nothing else, I would go on Entertainment Weekly and look at these pictures from Solo. Uh, we also there was an article with Ron Howard about how George Lucas visited the set and was just going to be there for a quick moment, and then was there for five hours, and then may have actually given advice, which is sort of him directing a scene, but not really. And then his advice for Ron Howard was, "You'll get this. <laughs> so you'll get this. I can't do. I can't do the George Lucas Kermit voice. Uh, and then just a lot of good stuff from Ron Howard. Why he joined Han Solo. Uh, he said really nice things about Lord of Miller, including how he would like his Imagine Entertainment to work with the director someday. And then I, I just really like how he's not. He's not blowing people are like how much of the movie is yours and how much of the movie is Lord of Miller's. And he's like." I'm not going to tell you because I don't want it to matter to people. I just want people to enjoy the movie. I don't want it to matter who did what. He's like, their fingerprints are all over the movie because they did. They worked. They were like almost done, two weeks away from being done. Sure, Ron Howard went and reshot a bunch of stuff, but that doesn't doesn't mean the stuff that Lord of Miller did is not in the movie. Uh, he also talked about doing American Graffiti with Lucas pre-Star Wars and hearing about Star Wars and then how it all is weird because it comes around to him directing a Star Wars movie with these beloved characters that, that came from the mind of George Lucas. There was another great article with Lawrence Kasdan about him and his son and talking about some inspirations. You might actually be surprised to hear the Treasure Island book, not the movie, the heist film he Unforgiven and the Big Lebowski. I just I want to see a, a Star Wars representation of the dude and uh, or maybe Lando just saying how the carpet holds the whole falcon together i don't know <laughs> also some details for uh disney world uh star wars hotel uh, i guess i could just i have the press release here just skimming through it you know combine luxury with complete immersion the guests are gonna journey through space they're all they're gonna par depart together multi-day star wars adventure board a starship with characters and stories that unfold all around you as you voyage through the galaxy and then the resort you become active citizens of the galaxy you dress up in proper attire if you want to every resort window has a view into space uh, opportunity for immersion at the resort that basically this hotel is going to be seamlessly connected to star wars galaxy edge at disneyland's hollywood studios a totally immersive experience and if you can afford it it'll be amazing and i hope to be able to afford it someday sounds really really fun uh we also have bob Iger, the ceo of disney telling disney shareholders that the disney streaming service is going to have a handful of star wars series with significant talent i don't know how big a handful is but uh, i'm guessing you can hold at least two or three shows in your hand if you're if you're bob Iger. i don't know if that makes any sense but i guess speaking of the disney streaming service there actually was some news that came out for it that it's not going to have r-rated content uh, but, of course, Disney owns 30% of Hulu. They can put R-rated content there. And I've, I've heard, actually, that they want to buy all of Hulu rather than just the 30% that they would get with the Fox deal. Uh, the Netflix shows apparently are going to stay on Netflix for now, um, although they're going to work on Marvel shows for the Disney streaming service. And then, who knows, sometime those shows could move over. Uh, they're all the Star Wars shows. There's a Don Quixote movie, a high school musical show, an animated Monsters Incorporated series. And then apparently they may actually uh, move Anna Kendrick's movie Noel, which is uh, her Santa's daughter, over to the streaming service directly. And then the Sword of Stone movie, if you heard about that, might actually be direct to the service as well. And uh, within the first year, Disney just hopes to launch four or five original movies and five TV series. So yeah, they're serious. Disney, Disney wants to make money and uh they're gonna do so and then just you know wrapping up the star wars news um i'm a fan of the youtube page how it should have ended or hi she h-i-s-h-e um and they do really funny videos and they did a really funny video for the last jedi of how it should have ended they're always meant to be comedic i put the episode up on laughing up fuzzballs the uh, closed group, but you can join easy. Just ask, and any one of the members will add you to the page. And uh, yeah, it's it's funny. It is really funny. I I see 
uh, whenever they make that, you know, they're, they're, they're saying the things that people say. There's really funny stuff for, for uh, Admiral Akbar and, and other, it's just good. It's hilarious. Even though I really enjoyed The Last Jedi and every time I think about it, I think I enjoy it more. It's, it's okay. It's okay to have contrary opinions and to, to make fun of stuff. And that's totally, totally right and proper in the world. And I guess uh, we'll just finally get to the point. We're going to finish off this podcast with I went to go see Black Panther. Yes, yes, there was Valentine's Day, which pushed back this. Yes, there was homework. Yes, there was Wookiee working on submitting a package for a master's degree. But finally, I was like, you know what? I'm going to see Black Panther on Thursday night and I, I I don't want to wait until the next podcast to talk about it so we'll just I'll just hold it up actually uh, after seeing Black Panther I went to go see it with Heather and I went to go see it with Blue and I actually asked Heather like hey do you want to record a podcast with me and at first she was like okay but then she was tired it was already like 1130 at night when she was dropping me off in my apartment so I was like yeah baby just go ahead go go to sleep and I'll record on my own and uh, here I am I went to go see Black Panther and uh, we're not going to spoil it. This is total non-spoiler. But I will tell you, it's a really, 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 really good movie. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this. I've already seen people on my on my Facebook saying, Wakanda forever. Now, will I tell you it's the best movie I've ever seen in my life? No, I'm not going to lie to you. But it's a really, really damn good movie. There is a lot of great stuff. This movie is important. This movie has so much well, I don't know if diversity is a word because it is it is mostly Africans and African-American people. But that's okay because representation is important. And I think a lot of people are, are going to love this movie if for no other reason than they see representations of themselves on the screen. Wakanda looked beautiful. The technology looks great. Uh, lots lots of characters being great and amazing in there I don't I don't want to spoil this movie I really enjoyed it I saw a really really good movie I want to go see this movie again because I actually think this is a movie that needs to be seen again because uh, like me and blue were saying you go see this with your nerd goggles on and you're just like oh god I want to love it so much and oh it was good and oh did you see those end credit scenes there's two of them two end credit scenes stay to the very end if you want to see everything but uh yeah, I, I want to, now that I've seen everything, I want to go back and I want to analyze and I want to see, you know, there were, there was one or two things where I was like, oh, that was a choice. I, I might've done that different. And I actually want to go see it again and see, and see what's going on. I want to see extra stuff in the moments that were quieter. I want to see extra stuff in the moments that were action packed. I can tell you the trailers were great, but you did not see the entire movie in the trailers. I, uh, initial off the cuff, I'd probably give this movie an 8, 8.5 out of 10, if I'm being honest, but it's still, that's really high marks, I mean, that's, that's a B, and I, it was a really good movie, I, I think, I think a lot of people are gonna enjoy it, I think it's gonna make all the money, and, and rightfully so, it should, I, diversity and representation is important, and, uh, literally, literally, there's like two white guys in that movie, <laughs> it's like Claw, and uh, I can't think of his name, but the guy that played the Hobbit. I should look that one up. Uh, that's okay. The white guy can be the guy who played the Hobbit. He gets to be much cooler than the Hobbit. But, oh, Denai Guerrera. Oh, Denai Guerrera, I love you. And Manape. Manape. That's my big takeaway. Manape. In fact, after this, I'm going to go on Instagram and post a picture of Manape. Because I still am really excited about Manny, but friends, go see Black Panther. Go see Black Panther, and then go on laughing up fuzzballs, and we can start a spoiler thread and talk all about it. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. And uh, I, yeah, thanks, friends. Thanks, thanks for stopping by. Thanks. I guess I should talk more about Black Panther, but I just don't want to spoil anything about the movie. They'll, they'll I'll get Blue or Danny here on the podcast, and, and we'll talk all about it. If you're not already doing so, subscribe to the podcast wherever it is you watch it. That's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn.com, or one of the other apps that pulls it. In fact, a couple guys, uh, hey guys, what's up my dudes from 499 History in the House? Two guys from my my uh, senior capstone class for my bachelor's in history 
uh, added added my maybe they just did it because they didn't want to be rude but they added added my podcast to their feeds because they said they listen to lots of podcasts and what's up guys hey hey i'm giving you the shout outs yeah thanks for listening and if you're not i'm just making myself look dumb but that's okay because at least ryan can laugh at me <laughs> ryan and the tweedles so nice but uh yeah, I found out there's there's another app. There's like four people that have subscribed to the podcast on that app. But hey, hey, there's lots of different ways you can listen to it. That's the whole point. Uh, if if one of those apps gives you the option of dropping a rating or a comment, do so, especially on Apple Podcasts. If everybody listening right now will go on Apple Podcasts and drop a five-star rating and comments, there's crazy crazy ways that they they do the ratings for it and then you might might get the podcast out to more people and that would be awesome i would love to grow the audience uh i enjoy doing this i I, you know i i love doing it just for my friends that i know regularly listen to it but always new listeners would be great because i really do have some ideas about t-shirts and and some stuff for the future if uh if there was was enough reason to to do that otherwise it'll just keep being my free podcast that i that i pay for and i do and i enjoy uh you can always comment uh facebook.com you could go to the laugh it up fuzzballs page i actually put up on the the facebook.com slash laugh it up fuzzball podcast page that i may actually be ending that because if i'm if i'm throwing up that the episodes go up on laugh it up fuzzballs and everybody that i i think everybody that's on the the laugh it up fuzzball podcast is also on laugh it up fuzzballs right now i it's just double work and that's designed for making money and podcasts really don't make money so i may just get rid of that and go over i said i would send at least one more message before before i get rid of it but you can always reach me on twitter or instagram at wookie right that's wookie w-o-o-k-i-e-e-r-i-o-t I I try to be on Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to be on Instagram here in just a few minutes, throwing up Man Ape. Also, laughing at fuzzball podcast at gmail.com. Really, that's probably one of the best ways to get a hold of me. It's connected right to my phone. You send me an email, bings on my phone, and then hopefully, hopefully, I, uh, I respond to a message. Although it's not a message from the podcast, but I really, really need to apologize to, uh, actually, I'm going to my, yeah, sorry. Sean, I Sean, I'm gonna get to your email. You sent me an email twice, and I, I haven't got to it. It's about TSTO, so TSTO Addicts, the the website that I blogged for for a long time, and I still every once in a while get on to to Addicts Live, and I, I want to write more about The Simpsons. Just I don't I don't really have the time, even to do this podcast. As you see, as I get it up really late, it's supposed to come out on Monday. It's Thursday, and it'll really be Friday. I guess technically it's Friday morning when this comes out. I'm gonna make that up to you guys next week. I'm going to have the episode up early on Tuesday, and then there's going to be a bonus episode. I'm going to make it up to you, so thanks for dealing with me. Uh, but laugh it up, fuzzball podcast at gmail.com. You know I always like your comments, thoughts, questions, ideas, cussing, discussing. I love when people throw stuff up on laugh it up, fuzzball. So Blue, Ryan, and everybody just keep doing it. Let's just keep building a geeky community and having a good time, living in this amazing world where it's good to be a geek. Um, and just thanks, friends. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for staying classy. Thank you for being excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. May the force be with us all. Uh, TTFN, Wookie out, and Wakanda forever. All right. Bye-bye, friends. (laughs) I don't know why I'm laughing, but Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. All right. Bye-bye.